Welcome to Reception Insider. Today we're going to be talking about communication. Podcast today is called Talk, Talk, Talk. My name is Kathy Back and I am the Faculty Manager of Tasmania for the RACGP and with me is Anne Davis who is the Faculty Manager of New South Wales ACT of the RACGP. So welcome. Communication is so much more than just talk, talk, talk. Effective communication is a skill that you have to cultivate and nurture and practice. And it's so important in general practice. Every day you're going to come in contact with people who are frightened, upset, embarrassed, maybe on drugs or they're angry. And so it's vital that you communicate effectively. I think you're right, Cathy. Patients, doctors and other staff are very dependent upon the receptionist to manage all the situations that happen both on the phone, in the reception area and in the corridors and leading into the treatment room. So the receptionists are really the key to that effective communication in the practice. Agreed, very much so. And successful communication can really build trust, deepen relationships. It can avoid conflict or diffuse emotions. It can help you understand what the other person is trying to communicate back to you, and it will help improve your decision making. So communication is more about more than just talk, talk, talking. It's about how you say it the tone of your voice, why you're saying it, what's the intention behind the message you're trying to give and when you say it. For example, would you say something in the midst of an argument? Is it better to talk to your children at various times of the day? Would you interrupt a doctor in the midst of a busy day with something that was perhaps not urgent? So it's also about what you don't say. Sometimes what you don't say gives a better picture of what's going on than what you say. And of course, vitally important is your body language, including your facial expression, your gestures and your posture. Cathy, just some of the things that you're saying there, I've got a couple of examples. When you were talking about tone, that tone and emphasis is quite important. I used to do a bit of an exercise with my team and it was a sentence, a short sentence. And what we would do is we would change the tone or the emphasis on a different word each time. For example, the sentence being, I didn't make that appointment for John. If I say that a couple of different ways, it really changes what it means. I didn't make that appointment for John. I didn't make that appointment for John. I didn't make that appointment for John. And so just saying that different ways really changes the meaning. And something that I like to do is if you've got someone whose tone on the telephone is perhaps not what it should be, What I've done is I've just popped a little smiley face on the phone and as they press the button to take the call, they're reminded to put that smile because people can hear when you have a smile. Absolutely. And that's a great tip. And actually, so we're both smiling now. (laughs) So very good. So I guess the next thing are some barriers to effective communication. You know, we all sometimes will make assumptions, judging the other person, making assumptions about either them or what they're saying can really be a barrier to listening well, not paying attention to the person you're talking to. You know, it's no good talking to someone while you're looking away or thinking about what the email you're about to send says, that kind of thing. Paying attention to the person you're talking to is vital. Also, 
We spend our days using medical jargon, but our patients don't. So there's no point talking to them in medical terms. It's much more important to keep it simple and understandable. Obviously not baby talks, you know, but respectful, simple, clear language. Also, we don't want to be giving solutions or unwanted advice. People aren't interested in us giving that sort of advice. And we also, a really big thing is not listening. I would say that listening is one of the key parts of communication and not listening is a huge barrier to being effective. And I think you're right. Sometimes that not listening is also when you're sitting at the receptionist's desk, you've got someone on the phone, someone coming to reception, plus you've got a doctor um, hovering with a document as well. So sometimes the not listening is just trying to put barriers and say, okay, I can't listen to you or you, but I'm going to listen to this person and communicating to the other two people why you're not listening to them at that time. Because receptionists are, they're the person that everyone goes to for what they want, aren't they? Correct. They surely are. Something I was also thinking about was the power of body language. And you mentioned it about, you know, not talking to someone as you're turning your back. But I think sometimes we need to think about the reception area that we're working in. And I've seen a variety where receptionists, they might stand or they might have a high stool or they might have a seat. But any time where one person's higher than the other really creates a bit of a power differential. And think of a situation where you might be standing at a desk, but the patient you're talking to is in a wheelchair. That creates a very strong power differential. And I've seen lots of practices where they have a dedicated section of the reception desk that's actually at a lower level. And that really engages in a really positive way with your patient who happens to be in a wheelchair. So I think that part of body language, the standing and sitting, but then also how people are looking. Do they look open? Are they, as you were saying before, engaging, having eye contact, having that smile? The other thing I've been thinking about is with COVID, many practices have the perspex barriers at reception. I've been wondering, is that creating a barrier to communication? What do you think? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because they're clear so you can see through them. But I do find myself when I'm at a doctor's surgery or at Woolies wanting to sneak to the side of them. So obviously it does create a little bit of a barrier and clearly popping to the side of them is very counterintuitive for the purpose that they're there. But it is something that hardwired to be face-to-face to people, I guess. Mm, I think you're right. Alrighty, so how could we make our communication better? What sort of things can we do? Well, obviously for me, active listening is one of the most important things. Listen twice as much as you speak. Be alert and be interested in the other person and don't interrupt them. So that's a pretty important first one. And then, as Anne was just saying before, that nonverbal communication. Be aware of your nonverbal language. Things like the tone of your voice, your eye contact, facial expressions, silence and body posture. And be aware of the signals that your nonverbal communication could be sending to that other person. Also, asking questions is a way of communicating. It's reflecting back a little bit what you've heard. So be clear and concise. We talked about this a minute ago, speak plain, clear language and don't overly complicate your message and then reflect back what you've heard and summarise this to the person you're communicating with. So, for example, I might say, 
I'm really feeling frustrated today because the kids wouldn't do what I wanted them to do and my pain in my knee is much worse now and, you know, along those lines. And then the receptionist could say, look, I'm hearing that you've had a really difficult morning with the children and that's causing your pain to be worse today. So just that sort of reflecting back what you've heard to the person just shows that you've heard them and you're listening to them. I think my tip for effective communication is to think about the audience. So think about the person that you're talking to with consideration to, as you say, the, the type of language and not overcomplicating it. But how would that person like to be spoken to? And trying to speak to the person in that way. And the other bit is look for cues that you're not getting it right. I remember once I was trying to explain a particular procedure to a receptionist and she looked at me really blankly and I thought, hmm, I really haven't done this very well. (laughs) And what I did was I then switched to demonstrating the procedure. I think it was something on some software. So by showing her that was how she learned as opposed to the verbal explanation, which I started off with. So maybe with um, receptionists, if we're explaining to a patient how something needs to happen or where they need to go and they're looking a little bit blank, maybe the trick is to come out and physically put your arm out and point where the patient needs to go. Little tricks like that. Yes, that's a really good point. And that also, you know, when someone is getting angry, I think you need to look for the cues that they're not listening, not understanding what you're saying, or they're frustrated with what you're saying. And you can watch those anger cues kind of building up. And I guess if you can then hop in before it escalates, you've actually managed to communicate more effectively than continuing blindly along too. So if someone does get angry, and this will happen for all sorts of reasons, you need to, first of all, not get defensive. Don't get upset yourself. Listen to what their concern is. Be calm and don't react and defend your position. Just listen. And I think if you keep your voice calm when someone else is upset, it just calms things down. If you have an angry patient and an angry receptionist, it just builds up and up and up and it's not going to end well at all. So keeping calm, listening to what the person's saying, and then reflect back to the person their concern. You know, I understand that you're feeling really unhappy at the moment because of whatever. It shows you've understood them, you've acknowledged that they're in distress, and that will help the other person just to feel a bit more validated with their feelings. I think you also then have to avoid pushing your advice or opinions on the other person. And I think sometimes it's important to know what would it take for that angry person to feel that the situation is resolved. What do they need to solve the problem? Because sometimes it's not what you expect it's going to be. Sometimes it's just being listened to, isn't it? Correct, it is. Or someone apologising or, you know, just it can be sometimes just something so simple. And I think the most important thing is if someone is angry and you're saying that you will do something to resolve this problem, that you'll take it further, that you'll speak with someone else, that you'll get back to the person who is upset with a resolution, it is so essential that you do what you say you're going to do. Because if you don't, level of trust that you could potentially build through this angry situation has gone. And I think sometimes if you have someone who's very upset about something and you deal with it well, you can develop a really raving fan out of that person. That person can just love you and you can turn the whole situation around and end up with someone who's a huge supporter of you and the practice. And just because you've acknowledged their issues, you've listened to them and you've done what you've said you're going to do. 
having said that, not every angry patient we can do that with. Totally. And so it's okay if you don't do that every time. So calming an angry person is a skill and it does need to be learned and we'll all manage it differently. I think also it's important to remember that some practices have a a zero tolerance for abuse policy. And so if that difficult situation escalates and you feel that you are being abused, it's really important to seek help from your manager. Your manager's really there to support you. Absolutely. It's something that we should never accept at work. And, you know, if sometimes patients do go above and beyond where they should be and I think if that happens, definitely speak to your manager. So we've covered quite a few elements of effective communication. We've looked at barriers. We've looked at things that can make your communication successful. And then, of course, in that last segment, the calming and angry person. We hope that this has been valuable for you. So for the receptionists that are listening to this, thank you. Thank you for doing what you do.